0: Connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Today, I'm excited because I get to continue in this series entitled Jesus' Wish List. And so we're going to be taking a look at another story this morning. So grab the Word of God, head over to Luke chapter 2, 25 through 35. That's where we're going to be this morning. And I want to share with you if just a couple of things before I get going. First of all, if you're new, man, we're so glad that you're here today. Welcome. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you would, make sure that you stop by the information booth before you head out. We just want to hand you a gift and thank you for coming. Uh, just kind of as appreciation for you uh, just kind of coming in here today and, and not knowing anything about Mountain View. We're glad to have you. And so hopefully you'll, uh, you'll come back. We'd love to have you back and hopefully you'll find a home here at Mountain View Fellowship. And uh, you can put down roots and and grow with us here. This is a community of believers. We love Jesus. We're not perfect by any means. We're just trying to do the best that we can to to study his word and become more and more like him every day. Uh, If you are already there, like this is your church, uh, you've put down roots and you're growing here, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done it yet, make sure you download the MVF Colorado app. The app that has so many things for you. All the events are on there, and then of course we have uh, a Sunday button. If you push that Sunday button, this passage is already loaded for you, as well as message notes. You can take message notes, whatever God lays in your heart or mind. You can write it down, and then you can actually email you your own notes so that you have them for safe keep- keeping and for future reference as well. So it's just another way to get more out of Sundays. And so I hope that you're uh, using that to grow in your faith, uh, in your walk with Jesus. And so it's another option for you as well. Today, this passage is an interesting one. We don't talk about it a lot, and I think we should, because it's a phenomenal story. It's very short. It's 10 verses. But it actually comes after the Christmas story. Last week, if you were here, we took a look at early, um, early in Luke chapter 2, where Mary and Joseph make their way down from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. They give birth to Jesus in a stable. They place him in a manger. And if you were here last week, you know the story. The angels showed up. They told the shepherds who were in a nearby field about Jesus. They, they came, checked it out, found Jesus. And then it says there that they went through and they started telling everybody about it. And then they went back to their fields, worshiping and praising God. And then we skip to this story, which actually occurs a week later. It's eight days later after that first story that we read last week. And so this is a week later. And what's happening here is Mary and Joseph are good Jewish parents. And so they're following the Jewish law, which says after you have a child, eight days after that child is born, you're supposed to bring them into the temple. And it's this this ritual of purification and presentation to God. And so they're following the Jewish law. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And uh, so they're coming into the temple. And this is where we pick the story up in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Are you there? Some of you? Okay, here we go. This is what it says. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, let me stop just for a minute. Isn't that an interesting statement? Like you guys know the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all, they're three in one. God sends his son Jesus as the baby Jesus that we're reading about in this, this story. And yet, Mary and Joseph, they bring Jesus into the temple to present him to the Lord. And so it's, it's are you with me? Am I, I'm not describing it very well, but it's this idea that they're, they're one already, but yet they're presenting Jesus to his, to his father. Uh, it's just kind of a cool little dynamic, I think, as you read through this story. Uh, Then it goes on in verse 28 to say, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. It's kind of a sad ending to that whole thing, isn't it? But what he's doing is he's prophesying about what is to come. And those of you that know your scriptures, you know what's about to happen, right? The reason Jesus is coming so that he could go to the cross, he could sacrifice his own life to pay for our sins. This is what he's doing. And so um, what he said there at the very end is is real, isn't it? Like it it happens. Many oppose Jesus and a sword will pierce your very soul. Mary's going to watch her own son be crucified. And yet there's so much in this story. And so I want us to take a little little bit closer look at these 10 verses and just draw out a few things. There's two things in here that uh, I don't know if you know this, but maybe this is why you were here this morning. You didn't know why you were coming. You just knew you needed to be here, and God's got something to say to you this morning. And maybe it's one of these two things, because I think these are two things that stick out to me. First of all, uh, it's the fact that Simeon uh, is described in a very particular way. I love the way he's described it. If you're a, a man or a woman of God, wouldn't you love to be described this way? Uh, if you don't remember, it was the second part of verse 25. It said, it's talking about Simeon. He was what? Righteous. He was righteous, which means he was a good Jew. He was following all the laws and, and he was doing everything he could to do what was right. He was devout, which means he, he was committed to God. Like God was the, the center of his life. He was thinking and talking Jesus all the time. He, he was all about God on this earth. Uh, it says that he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. He was in this waiting of, okay, I know what's been prophesied. I know that God has promised the Messiah that he's coming, and he's eagerly waiting for that. And then this last part is very interesting. It says the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, if you don't know this, Jesus came, he gave his life for us so that we could be made right with God. We had a sin problem. And Jesus coming took care of that sin problem. And and when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are made right with God. And, And in that moment... Because Jesus takes care of our sin, we can be filled with his Holy Spirit. And so this is the blessing that we have now uh, because Jesus came, because of what Christmas means. It's one of the reasons why we celebrate Christmas. Uh, Now, with that being said, Jesus has just showed up on the scene. So before this, you don't see in the Old Testament and up to this point where many people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And yet, it's said of Simeon that the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit has been guiding and leading him. I love this description. And like I said, for any of us, this would be a great description uh, that we are following God, that we're filled with his Holy Spirit. Now, in this moment when Simeon comes to the temple, I want you to think just for a minute about what's happening. This is eight days after Jesus has been born. All of us, we're we're here from these small towns up and down the I-70 corridor. We know about small town politics, don't we? We know about the rumor mill, don't we? Uh, Some of you, you're part of it. Some of you, you've been a subject of it. And so uh, we know how it works in these small towns. Now, just to remind you that they are in Bethlehem. And that Jesus has been born. And if you remember what happened a week earlier, right? Jesus was born. There was a lot of hoopla that went with this. There was was angels. There were shepherds. And it said that the shepherds went out telling everybody about what they had found. And they were amazed. And so can you imagine the buzz that's going on in Jerusalem or in uh, Bethlehem right now? Can you imagine what's happening for all eight days leading up to this? And now Mary and Joseph come to the temple and Simeon is standing there. And he grabs this baby, um, stranger alert, Right? I mean, this is, I don't know what Mary and Joseph were doing in this moment, but it seems kind of odd that this old dude would grab their baby. But that's what happens. And somehow they must have known, uh, you know, that he was okay because he holds this baby up and he begins to, to praise God. He blesses God. He's worshiping God in this moment because he has seen the Messiah. He says, thank you. Thank you, God, that you are are true to your promises. You you fulfilled your promise. Now I can die in peace because I've seen the Messiah. I've seen the Savior that you have sent. Now, who has Jesus come for? Do you remember? Who, Who is this salvation for? It's actually found in verse 32. It says he, talking about Jesus, is a light to reveal God to the what? The Jews? It says nations, doesn't it? It says nations. You know what that means? You know what that includes? The Jews. Gentiles. Right? If you don't know what Gentiles are, it's, it's everything outside the Jewish faith, which is you and me. So thank God for that, right? So it, it includes everyone. He, he's going to be a light to reveal God to the nations. Everyone. This is for every one of us. Now, let me ask this question. Was that the normal thought process for a Jew in that day? No. See, because in this moment, everyone that's part of the Jewish faith, they think that God has chosen them and that if you're not part of the chosen few, sorry, you're just on the outside. And yet in this moment, Simeon reveals the fact that Jesus has come not just for the Jews, but for everyone. This is revolutionary. Like this is unbelievable what he's saying here. He's saying, look, this isn't just for us. It's for the entire world. It's for all nations. And I love this because this gives us a glimpse into God's heart here. God has sent his son to love and to bless and to rescue everyone, not just the Jews. See, the Messiah's mission was to break down the walls between all people and God. That's what Jesus came to do. So what does this mean for us right here and right now? I mean, this is a great story and all 2,000 years ago, but what does it mean for us where we're at and what we're going through in our own life? Well, let me give you um, a couple of things that I think Hopefully, uh, like I said, you're here for. God brought you here today to hear these things. First one is this, is that Simeon believed in God's promise. He believed in God's promise. Most scholars believe that Simeon was at least 80 years old, if not older. I believe he is much older than that, but at least 80 years. And we're not sure when he was told that he he would not die before he saw the Messiah. But I, I tend to believe that he's been waiting for a while. Just in the way the text is written, the way he, he praises and blesses God when he gets, you know, gets his hands on Jesus. Like he's excited because he has been eagerly waiting for the Messiah is what it says. Now, um, let's say he's 80 years old and maybe he was told, I don't know, at 10 that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. That, that's, that's 70 years, right? Well, maybe he didn't hear what he was telling. Maybe it was later. Maybe he's only been waiting 50 years. Maybe, maybe only 25 years. 10 years, five years. Maybe he was only told at age 75. Does it make a difference, really? Because to you and I, when we have to wait a year on something, right? When it takes him 10 minutes to get my tacos at Taco Bell, right? He's been waiting, eagerly waiting for the Messiah. So, whether it's five or 50 years, can I just say this? Um, He's excited because God is true to his promise. God has fulfilled his promise. And what I love about it, it was whether it was five years or 50 years, Simeon never gave up on God's promise. He held in there. He stayed faithful. He didn't lose hope. He didn't lose his faith. And can I, can I just say this to you? Maybe this is for you this morning. God has promised you something. You see something in Scripture, and you're like, I know this is your heart, God. And it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. Maybe it's been a year. Maybe it's been ten. Maybe it's been fifty years. Can I just encourage you with Simeon this morning and say, "Do not give up. Don't give up. Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. God is faithful and He will fulfill His promises. Stay strong in your faith. Trust in God, and He'll come through." I'm not Simeon uh, Simon. Uh, Simon huh. Good grief. I practiced this all week and I kept saying uh, Simon. I was like terrified I was going to do that today. Anyway, Simeon believed in God's promise but also Simeon recognized the Savior. This is another thing that I just absolutely love about it. No matter how long he had been waiting and he had been, I think, waiting for a very long time, when the Savior showed up, he was still looking for him and he recognized him when he saw him. Isn't that awesome? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit directed him to the temple that day to see Jesus. And this is the way it works for all of us. None of us, can recognize Jesus until the Holy Spirit reveals him to us. Now, if you don't know Christ, here's, here's what I would challenge you with. Pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would open up your, your heart, your mind, to see who Jesus is. Because it's the only way that we recognize him. But here's the thing. He was looking for Jesus when Jesus showed up. It's the only reason that he recognized him. He was ready. He was looking for him in the first place. So I, I want to encourage you. Look, God wants to reveal himself to you. Are you looking for him? I don't want you to miss him. Don't miss him this Christmas. When he shows up and he does what he does, I don't want you to miss the fact that it was Jesus. Don't miss him this Christmas. I mean, we sang songs this morning about how awesome Jesus is. We, we sing songs all through Christmas season, things like Silent Night. You know, we sing things like Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Do we really, really believe what we're singing, or are we just singing it because it's a good Christmas song? Don't miss Jesus, this Christmas. Why was Simeon so excited? I think it's because he had been eagerly waiting for the Messiah. And the Messiah was finally here. See, this Messiah, this word Messiah actually means deliverer. It means savior. Jesus was given another name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Messiah was with us. He came to this earth. And when Simeon got to hold him... It became real, like this is actually happening. God has delivered on his promise, and the Messiah is here, and he's going to deliver every one of us from our sins. Jesus was here. He had moved into the neighborhood, and man, that was good news, isn't it? That's great news. That's Christmas in a nutshell, that Jesus came for you and for me. That's why we celebrate Christmas and because of that, we get a lot of stuff out of Christmas, or we should anyway. And I don't want us to miss this this Christmas. And so let me just give you a few of them. Christmas brings peace. It brings peace. You know how I know that? Because Simeon begins his praise to God with this expression of ultimate satisfaction, and it's tied to the word peace. Look at this in verse chapter twenty nine. Or I'm sorry, uh, verse twenty nine. It says, "Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in what? Peace. Why? As you've promised. Because God, you promised it. Because God delivered on his promise, Simeon is ready to die. He's like, it doesn't matter what happens after this, I'm good. The Messiah is here. Uh, Because I've seen God's Messiah. Not just for the Jews, but for everyone, for the whole world. And with that comes peace. See, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there's a peace that comes in that is inexpressible. You can't explain it. It's like, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I have a God who does. And whatever that is, I'm okay with it. I can move into that because I know God is bigger and greater and better than this. Which leads me to the second point that Christmas is rooted in God's faithfulness. So it brings peace because it's rooted in God's faithfulness. That peace That Simeon was talking about is linked to two phrases here in verse 29 and 30. It says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation. I've seen your salvation. See, peace is not linked to the lack of conflict or the absence of pain, it's actually rooted in the fact that God keeps his word. That when God makes a promise, he follows through with it. Uh, Simeon's at peace. His heart is filled with hope because he knows that God has fulfilled his promise. Simeon is satisfied. He's amazed at God's ability to be able to bring about what he says. The fact that he is true to his word, that he can make a promise. And whether it takes five or 50 or 500 years, he will bring it about. God is faithful. Christmas brings peace, it's rooted in God's faithfulness, and then it's global. It's global. See, the beauty of Christmas is not just what happened in this, in this story over 10 verses to Simeon, but it's the fact that every year since then, we've been celebrating the fact that Christmas came Jesus came what Christmas means we celebrate this every year because it means everything to every one of us when you truly understand what it is verse 31 says which you have prepared for who all people now here's the problem with that some of you are sitting here and you don't include yourself in that you're like that's great that's awesome for you church people and you're allowing the enemy to whisper into your ear and go, you know what? That's for everybody but you. After what you've done, after where you've been, after last night, that's not for you. Can I just kick back against that for a minute? I want you to know before you leave here today that Jesus came for you. For each and every one of us. You are not the exception. You are included in this. Jesus looked down through the ages, and he saw you. He knew who you were, and he loved you anyway. It says, even before, even before we accepted him, while we were still in our sins, when our lives were still messed up, God died for us. He went to the cross anyway. And then he offered it to us. And it's strictly up to us whether we receive it or not. See, God is being gracious to Israel in this moment. But Simeon knows that pretty soon God's grace is going to to overflow out of Israel. Like it's going to be too small for this small nation or too big for this small nation. It's just going to flow into the rest of the world. Christmas is global. Why? Uh, because Christmas is good news for all people, for every one of us. Simeon knows that God's target is not just Israel, but it's every person, every one of us. He expresses it so well here in verse 32. He says, he is the light to reveal God to nations, all of us. It's this small child that Simeon's holding that is going to be the light, not to the Not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles, to every one of us, to every nation, to every tongue. He's going to be the person who's actually going to come in and he's going to just explode this thing that we're going to call Christianity later on. It was something new. They just called it the way in the early days because they didn't know what to call it. But it was people who were just... All of a sudden, discovering who Jesus was, recognizing that he was what Simeon said, that he was the Messiah, and they were receiving him as their Lord and Savior, and their lives were being transformed. Why? Because their sins were being forgiven, and they were being reunited with a God who loved them. And they went out and they changed the world. This changes everything for us. Christmas is something that we should celebrate because it brings peace. It's rooted in God's faithfulness. It's global. It's for every one of us. It's good news. I wish they would call it great news or glorious news, because that's what it is to me. But this is the gospel. We call it the good news of Jesus Christ. It was this little child that was born in a manger that would go on to live a sinless life. He would speak words of life into to people. He would go to the cross and he would pay the price for each and every one of us so that we could be made right with our creator God. It it was this little baby that Simeon was holding up that was actually going to come and and he he was going to provide the means for us to be able to have a relationship with God in the first place, but to permanently pay for the sins that you and I commit. There's nothing that we could have done that could have paid for our own sins and yet Jesus came and took care of that for us. See, Christmas is this, this expression of love from a Creator God who was separated from His creation because of their sin. And because they couldn't do anything about it, He did. He sent His Son to come and pay for that sin that, that you and I had committed. That's what Christmas is. That's the gospel. Gospel means good news. That's why Christmas is so exciting. That's why we celebrate. That's why we we come and gather and we sing and and we do all the things down the Christmas season. Because we couldn't have done this on our own. But yet God did it for each and every one of us. So in this series, this Jesus wish list, we've been asking the question, what does Jesus want? Like, it's his birthday anyway, right? So what does he want for Christmas? What, what, would it, what would Jesus ask for if he could? What would he ask for for Christmas? I, I think based on our story this morning, I would say that Jesus wants to rescue those far from him. He, he wants those who don't know him to know him. He wants those whom he loves to love him back. He wants a relationship with those who don't have a relationship with him and he wants to go on this journey with you. He has a better plan for your life. He he has so much in store for you. Not just for this life, but for all of eternity. And so here's what we're gonna do. I'm just gonna give you a couple of action steps this morning. First one is this. We're gonna ask our prayer team to come down to the front. They're gonna make themselves available to pray with you this morning. So here's... Here's what they're making themselves available uh, to pray for. If you don't know Christ, don't leave here today without receiving Christ. Wouldn't this be a great time of the year to start your life with Christ? This this moment when um, we celebrate the fact that he came to have a relationship with you. What a great time to receive Christ for the first time and just start, start this life with him. Now, if you already know Christ and you need prayer for some other things, they're available to pray with you for those things as well. So just come on down and and meet with them. If you need hands laid on you in prayer, let's let's do that as well. So they're available for that as well. Uh, The second thing that I want to challenge you with are you have these little red invite cards on your chairs. I want you to take those with you. And sometime this week, keeping in mind that Jesus wants to rescue those far from him. I want you to give that to somebody that you know that doesn't know Christ. And I want you to invite them to something. Maybe it's the s'mores night that's coming up this Friday, just to come and hang out. Maybe it's to one of the services that we have on Christmas Eve Eve so that they might hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I want you to be intentional this season about sharing Jesus with somebody, the true meaning of Christmas. Give that to somebody. And then, of course, to wrap things up today as you leave here today, uh, make sure that you fill out one of the other cards um, and pin it to the blessed wall out there. If you haven't done this with us, we're just recognizing all of God's blessings this season. And so we want you to fill out that card. You can pin it to the, the wall out there that has the barn wood on it. We've got blessed on it. Just pin it to that wall. And then I want you to turn around. I want you to grab a card off of the blessing tree. Because you've been blessed, you need to go out and be a blessing to somebody else. Can we do that today?